So I got to say, I watched us lose this weekend. I also watched the Braves get knocked out of the NLCS this weekend. Now I'm watching the Hawks. I got to have a serious conversation about how sports is having a negative impact on my life uh, with my psychiatrist. Uh, anyway, welcome to the Tommy Tiller podcast. I'm Logan. Here with me today are Tommy, Andrew, and Artem. How you doing today, guys? Howdy. Well, Atlanta United's doing good, so the city's not completely useless. I also heard good things about the Falcons, but I'm not sure you can take a win over the Tampa Bay as anything serious. Hey, hey, hey. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> anyway, guys. Um, so I do want to say I've been looking over a couple of things uh, related to college football fandom, and I'm starting to wonder if uh, – Maybe we're in a cult. So I got a questionnaire for all y'all that I wanted to kind of run through really quickly. So let's let's go down the list. All right. And feel free to just answer as we go along. Have y'all noticed that the ideas of your team have filtered into all areas of your life, work, social, personal life? Yes. No. Occasionally. So the year that Johnny football was going off, 2012 into 2013, we were winning so much. I got I was motivated to go run more, to eat healthier, and I went to tennis nationals one of the years. Yeah, Johnny football. Yeah, I would say that like when we're having down years, I definitely more negative aspects into my life. That's for sure. I'm kind of be real though. Texas A&M, good bull hunting. I feel like puts out a. Uh, an article every year talking about how are we in a cult? Yes, yes, we're in a cult. Yes, yeah, I was about okay. to say, no offense, Artem, but Texas A&M is basically a cult anyway. So I feel like this is a waste of a survey on you. <laughs> well, let's go down the list and see how many other questions he responds to. Have your friends and family commented that you have an obsession with your team? Yes. No comment. <laughs> yes. Have you noticed that you spend less and less time with friends who are not involved with your team? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any friends anyway, so that's kind of a moot point. I mean, are, wait, are we not your friends? No, you're coworkers. Oh, okay. I see how that works now. <laughs> hey, I don't get paid. What's going on here? <laughs> well, you also, you also don't bring in viewership. Yeah, you don't really provide any value to the company. <laughs> fair, fair. Do you find it boring or awkward to spend time with people who aren't a part of your fandom? Not so much my fandom, but I definitely notice that I'm really, really weird around people that aren't at least basic college football fans. Yeah, what do people talk about when it's not college football season? Oh, God. Or, or even worse, like, not sports fans at all. Like, I, I pay attention to enough other sports that I can kind of, you know, soccer, golf occasionally, you know, just kind of other sporting events. But just, like, people that don't pay attention to any sports at all just don't really make a lot of sense to me. Well, wait, I got one because my coworkers are really into disc golf. And I'm like, I did not realize that competitive disc golf was as serious as they're making it out to be. It's actually kind of scary. I don't know what to do. They were watching a tournament in Appling, Georgia earlier today. 
I kid, I shit you not. Was it was it Appling or was it Appling County? Because they are two different places. All, all I know is the stream said Appling, Georgia. I'm like, okay, I do, I do not know. This all looks the same to me. Anyway, you can relate to them because because Appling is in Columbia County, and Appling County is Baxley. Do all these? I'm think you're just making up words at this point. To be honest, no, no, I'm not because to be fair, County, he is from Thomaston, which the closest thing to Thomaston is more trees. And <laughs> Griffin, technically, if you want to count that as a city. No, I'm closer to Griffin than you are. <laughs> well, then, then Peachtree City counts. All right, all right. We're getting off track, so let's get back to this really weird quiz. Okay, do you believe that outsiders of your fandom are on a lower level than you? I thought you were going to say should be shot, and I was going to say yes. Yes, because I feel like every other person on the planet is at a lower level than me. <laughs> so, Artem, if you were going to shoot them anyway, I was going to say, yeah, you probably probably a yes to that one. I feel like being part of my fandom puts me on a lower level. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, do you consider... That's, that's just because our team sucks. If we were like Alabama or Patriots fans, we'd probably feel a little different. Yeah, that's true. We still felt the same in 2009. Can we, can we talk to Emily and see how her feelings on the Patriots apply? Uh, does she feel superior to you, Tommy? Um, well, it'd be well-deserved. It's not very fair comparison. <laughs> do, you, do you believe... That your group, that your group, ooh, I don't know if there's a good translation for this one. Do you believe that following your group is a way to sorting out problems in the world? No. I think that being a fan of Georgia Tech is just making your life harder. <laughs> and well, creating more problems. Artem, I'm actually curious what your stance is on this matter. <laughs> uh, I think it creates a lot more problems. For sure. Because then you have these awkward silences that you, you know, like, imagine Tommy running into a Georgia fan, like his brother-in-law. I, I can't imagine living with that. My brother-in-law was a, a TSIP or a Texas fan. Man, I would find a, an accident to take him out. <laughs> okay. Head to head, Tommy. So we just, we just so want everyone to understand that Artem just went on the record as pro-murdering his relatives. If they were happen to be TSIP fans, Texas fans, whatever. I'm, I'm, but look, I can that totally would create a problem that I wouldn't have to deal with if they weren't that way. I can, I can totally understand where he's coming from because my uncle said that he was a Georgia fan and I had thought he had been a Bama fan for his entire life. And my immediate thought was, where am I going to hide this body? Because I need to get rid of him right now. Uh, well, I think in 2018 we should be asking: Are people born this way, or is this a choice? <laughs> is she, yeah, really. Where's Nigel when you need him? Um, all right, next question. I, I think I know what Artem's answer is, but has someone close to you told you they think you're in a cult? Yes, but not because of football. <laughs> Artem, do you consider me close to you? <laughs> That's a good question. Hmm. <laughs> I'm do, do, you think I'm a, do you think I'm in a cult? 
I'm pretty sure I told you that, like, within, like, two months of meeting you. <laughs> I, I, I think I specifically remember this moment. Yeah. So I would say yes, then. If someone cry- criticizes your fandom, do you have to explain why they are wrong? I just assume they're, yeah, what's a what's an appropriate way to say retarded these days? <laughs> uh, Mentally slow. handicapped? All right. I, I didn't hear anything from Andrew, but I know that you just have to explain why they're wrong if anyone criticizes I, you about anything. I've just, I've just gotten to the point where I'm too old to fight these battles anymore. <laughs> so if people want to be ignorant, that's their own problem. Okay, I, I kind of know what the answer for the Georgia Tech fans is, or I know what my answer would be. Do you find yourself recommending your fandom or principles of the fandom to other people? Nope. No. <laughs> Knew that answer was coming. Do you sometimes feel like you know more about life, people, and the world because of your fandom? I know how to deal with disappointment and pain and failure <laughs> so, a lot better than a lot of people. So, sort of? <laughs> kind of, but then I'd be really, really... take children. I'd be really confused by, like, success and good things. So I guess it's kind of a trade-off. I feel like I have a better insight to a specific subset of people with a particular mindset. I mean, I I feel like it does give me insight to empathy because I can look at somebody who's in, like, a great deal of pain and I can be like, man, I've been there. I've been been through a 3-9 and season. I've been there. I've seen it. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that that necessarily translates. Um, have people said you are pushy or obsessive about your fandom? Yes. Is there a strong... I mean, probably. Is there a strong urgency to explain the benefits of your fandom and its activities to those who, who are critical to you? Nope, because I don't think that anyone else should be drawn down into the, just the depth of depression that is being a Georgia Tech fan. That's unfair to them. So do you ever feel bad or guilty for not behaving as your fandom says you should? I guess a good example. No, because no, our fandom's pretty negative, so I, I feel like I behave exactly like you're supposed to. Well, I guess That's hilarious. There's a, there's a word or an acronym for Aggie fans called BAS, Battered Aggie Syndrome. Um, supposedly it comes from years and years of just losing a lot of games. It sounds very similar to what you're describing. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I can walk away from this saying pretty fairly that, uh, no, Georgia Tech is not a cult, or at least our fandom is not. But Texas A&M pretty clearly is a cult based on all of Artem's answers. So way to go, Artem. <laughs> you, you are officially in a cult. I will yes. s- Do I get a, like a... Xbox Live achievement, it's not popping up anywhere. No, but you get to cheer for a team that has hundreds of millions of dollars to spend on whatever they want. And nice. could And could potentially win their conference uh, once Alabama shits the bed. Hmm. I'll take it. All right. So if you couldn't tell, uh, last week was a slow news week as far as uh, week seven goes. Honestly, the biggest topics were a couple of teams lost at the top, but otherwise, um, everything kind of went as expected. 
And we already talked about going into week seven, how West Virginia was falling apart. Washington lost to Oregon, which was another thing we had talked about a few weeks ago. And then the other two losses were Georgia and Penn State. So I guess the two big questions on my mind are which loss had the bigger impact on the playoff picture and which loss had the biggest impact on their team's prospects. So, Andrew, since you're the most knowledgeable person and I think you probably watched those games, what what's your thoughts? What was the biggest loss of the weekend? I think Washington's loss is the biggest playoff impact because I think it really puts the Pac-12 on a back foot because they are, again, doing what we're used to them doing where they all kind of beat each other and not a single team really rises to the top. It's kind of the issue you you'll see in the Coastal to an extent, too, but I think that's the one that's going to impact the playoffs the most. I think in terms of team impacts, Penn State's loss being their second loss pretty much eliminates them from playoff contention. So in terms of actual team impact, that's probably the biggest because I think Georgia and West Virginia still have chances, especially with West Virginia still having to play Oklahoma, and then Georgia getting to play Auburn and more than likely winning the East and getting a shot at, say, Alabama. There's still that much left on their schedule as opposed to Penn State and Washington that I just don't think have the games they need to impress down the line. I mean, honestly, I'm looking at West Virginia's schedule. Again, I'm a pessimist. I've lost my faith in them. I think they could lose the rest of the way. But I guess you're right. There's still an outside chance of everything. Tommy, would you agree with Andrew's perspective as far as uh, Georgia still having a chance to get in the playoff? Yeah, if they beat Alabama in a championship, I think they're in. So, no, you you don't think they have a way of getting in? Uh, <laughs> I, outside of that, um, I, I don't know. I think you have to look at Notre Dame. I mean, the fact that it was ugly but they won, if they don't lose another game, then you're looking at three Power Five conferences get a spot. And I highly doubt uh, one loss non conference champion well it'd be two loss if they uh win the east which they would if they finish undefeated um into the championship and then lose to alabama i i don't think you put them in over you know west virginia washington ohio state even or penn state even if penn state were to win the big 10 conference with two losses i still think they get in over georgia oh wow yeah okay that's that's a bold proclamation. Uh, Artem, like we said, this is kind of a slow news week. What are you, how are you taking these losses? Uh, I think uh, the West Virginia view is kind of a weird one, but out there the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are getting criticized as being the weakest conferences overall, and now you just see the two big playoff prospects out of both conferences lose. Uh, what are things looking like for those conferences right now? Um, I don't think those conferences are necessarily weak. I would say they are less competitive than the other conferences. Um, if you look at along the line of Pac-12, Big 12, uh, kind of their trenches, uh, they don't they just they don't have the talent. So um, they're losing to their conference rivals, other in-conference teams by big numbers, and then they go out and lose to other teams outside of their conference. That's what's making them look weak. Um, there's a lot of there's very little disparity in the 
Pac-12 and Big 12, so they're eating each other up, and then they're losing to other conferences. So uh, there's not really anybody sticking out to me out of those. And um, I see you listed Georgia, West Virginia, Washington, and Penn State. Honestly, um, I think the biggest loss on the the impact of the playoff picture for me was uh, Wisconsin. I think uh, Michigan looked so good in that game that I think that's going to have uh, a lot of actual impact on the game. Penn State had already lost, and honestly, they weren't. They were starting to look uh, a little bit out of it. Um, I think Washington started on a loss, which is not good for for them because they're still having to prove that they're a good team. Uh, West Virginia, we kind of saw that coming. Uh, and I think a couple of us predicted Georgia to lose to LSU just because the East just seems like it's uh, got a little bit less talent this year than the SEC West. So honestly, Michigan beating Wisconsin was kind of the more impactful game for me because it showed that Michigan can step up in big games, um, which they haven't done before. It was their first home win over a top 15 opponent um, in a couple of years, I think since Harbaugh's been there. So hopefully there's a step in the right direction for them, and um, we're going to be talking about it later. But seeing how they take on Michigan State is going to show us a lot of how far Michigan has come and whether they're ready to take that next big step because they lost the game and they lost it to a Notre Dame team that's looking good right now. So if they – breakthrough you know michigan state a big rivalry game no matter how by how many points they beat them i think that's going to make them look good and then all they got to do is beat ohio state and they're in and that'll be the first time michigan has been in that type of big environment in a long time fair enough uh so speaking of the other teams though we've got the two other outside chances i guess would be ucf and as tommy pointed out notre dame so tommy I'll start with you because you were actually at the Notre Dame game and you made some interesting comments on our group me as far as Notre Dame having more talent than Pitt, but Pitt simply out coaching Notre Dame on every level. In fact, you made it sound like it was very surprising that Notre Dame won that game. Uh, so I want to get your perspective. What are your thoughts on that matchup? Well, let's be clear. Notre Dame was losing in the fourth quarter. So they did almost lose that game they, st- they had to score a touchdown in the fourth quarter to win and that's what they did but it, the, the fact of the matter is i mean in no on no planet are the players on pit comparable as far as talent to what notre dame has and what notre dame recruits on a regular basis notre dame has a lot of talent um as florida state has shown us talent doesn't necessarily equal wins it's very hard to beat the best teams if you don't have the talent, but it's very easy to lose a bunch of games if you don't have the coaching to put that talent where it needs to be. And I've never thought Brian Kelly was the right guy for Notre Dame. My general feeling around campus is that they support their coach no matter who it is. And when you're 7-0, and why wouldn't you support him? I still think after watching the Michigan game to open the season and after watching the pick game, there's a lot of gaping holes in Notre Dame's team that can be exploited. Uh, Ian Book is a good quarterback, but he uh, – I, I don't see the interception here. He threw a pretty bad interception. Uh, that was only about half his fault. The tight end really 
instead of running a fly, ran a post right over to the corner and allowed him to cover two people and get a pick there. Little things like that. But overall, they only threw the ball deep, I think, twice. One of those times I was in the bathroom, so I didn't see it. So as far as I'm concerned, they only threw the ball deep once, and they have great wide receivers. Uh, A lot of the times they were lining up and the motions that they were using to pull Pitt defenders into a certain area or – to blatantly show that Pitt was lining up in a, a zone. They just weren't calling plays that seemed conducive. They run it outside three times and then just run it up the middle when Pitt still had eight guys stacked in the box. It just didn't make sense to me what their play calling was doing and what they were trying to achieve. And on defense, they, they had stretches of good and stretches of bad. But uh, overall, I, I just think they're underperforming for where they could be at this point in the season. I mean, honestly, I'm pretty surprised they're 7-0, and but Notre Dame is one of those weird teams where they play teams that are very neutral, and it's kind of hard to tell where exactly they end up until the end of the season because you're not sure where a lot of the teams they're playing are going to be in at. So I was totally preoccupied watching Georgia lose uh, while this game was going on. Um, so did anybody else catch that game? Andrew, I don't suppose – Andrew or Artem, I don't suppose either of you met, saw that. Nah. Uh, Tommy kind of hit the high points. From what I could tell, Notre Dame just doesn't trust Ian Book yet. Um, and they got caught in a situation where their opponent was very prepared. It's either that or kind of this thing, and Andrew can talk about it. But from what I can tell, some coaches do this thing where they expect bigger opponents uh, coming up, and instead they put a little bit more practice dates for those guys. And instead they're like, we're just going to run a basic scheme. Uh, for this next game that we have and, you know, essentially overlooking a pit um, in that case. But from from what I saw, Ian Book, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience at this point. They didn't start him beginning of the season, so he's only been in for three or four games. I don't think they trust him. Like Tommy said, throwing down the field twice is uh, you're not going to challenge your opponent very much. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I haven't seen – they don't seem to trust their offense much in general. They really like the to run the ball. I don't know. that they, They're just really afraid of turnovers. I don't know what the rationale is. Yet they still threw two picks. <laughs> hey. I also want to say that we were sitting next to uh, some guys that were quite obnoxious uh, in their fandom in the sense that they acted like they knew what they were talking about and were yelling and criticizing but they were like blatantly wrong about like some of the basic things, like calling somebody moving in motion a false start and saying like, oh, they need to, to run a jet sweep here, and they just ran like an option instead, like a dive slash toss option, and just like some basic understand or lack of understanding that the guy was very, very sure of himself when he was yelling it in front of 80,000 people. It was just kind of entertaining to sit there and listen. I don't know. I also had a guy like that that was sitting behind me. I wouldn't call it entertaining, though. He was actually a Georgia Tech fan who was yelling at the field like every time something happened that would get him up riled up. I think like one of our players actually missed a tackle, and he was yelling out the player's number and saying, like, nice job on the tackle, great tackle. And I'm like, dude. They're your team. Stop stop getting upset. Like, what the heck? I don't know. Some people, man. All right. So, 
one of the things that we kind of skipped over it that I think we at least need to touch on is Notre Dame's a team because of who they are, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. They're a team like an Alabama, like an Ohio state, like a USC, like a Texas, like a Oklahoma, like a Clemson now, honestly, to this point that are going to get the benefit of the doubt. And people are going to not necessarily look at them as better than they, they are because they might be a very good team, but they're, opportunities are going to be more than than other teams you know an undefeated navy or what's another in you know army army's independent team if army's undefeated no one's going to talk about army in the playoffs or even you know we kind of saw it with with ucf last year uh, you know they, and ucf is actually you're seeing it with ucf differently this year it's why an undefeated ucf whose best win is memphis yeah and probably. memphis is memphis is what four and three yep is is number 10 but then you know an undefeated usf or an undefeated cincinnati who to be fair i mean usf's best win might be us and we're terrible but it's it's just interesting sometimes when you kind of look at how the name on the front of the jersey has a lot of impacts on things you know whether it should or it shouldn't's a you know a whole nother multi-series podcast in and of itself but you know, Notre Dame's just one of those teams. Or if Notre Dame's undefeated, they're in the playoff. Whether they deserve to be or not, they're on. They're in the playoff because they're Notre Dame because they're undefeated. I think you saw it a little bit in 2012 when an undefeated Notre Dame team. That I mean, I think they had some good wins, but you know, they go into the the national title game and just get absolutely mollywhopped by Alabama. You know, and there are arguments. I, to... I don't think they're going to get in, even if they're undefeated, because they play one less game than a. Big 12 team might now, so I, I think they put a Big 12 champion, one lost Big 12 champion, in over an undefeated Notre Dame. I, 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 I think disagree I think with Stanford, I, Virginia Tech, Michigan, Northwestern, I think, USC. I think they do if it's Oklahoma. If it's West Virginia, not a chance. If it's Texas, I think they might do it. But again, I think it, it comes down to whether the committee wants to admit it or not. Those big names and those, you know, bigger fan bases play a role. Well, uh, before we move on to our next topic, because I think that kind of feeds into it, Tommy, you kind of got cut off there. Do you want to say what you were trying to get across? Well, I mean, there, there's a couple things here. Is uh, If Notre Dame finishes the season undefeated, despite all their holes and whatever you say, they're undefeated, and I've always stood by this. The only time in my opinion, that an FBS undefeated team doesn't make the playoff is when you have five undefeated teams. That's the only reason that you could possibly give me that's worth anything because the point of the game is to win or lose. You don't get bonus points in any way, shape, or form for winning bigger or loser or winning by more points or playing a tougher schedule or anything like that. The only time that comes in is as a tiebreaker as far as your record. And I, I know the committee doesn't view it that way. And part of it absolutely injures right that the name on the front of the Jersey. And I think honestly, if you had an, a big school that maybe isn't historically been as good, like Texas A&M, not on the, the Alabama level, but with a huge fan base, if they go undefeated, I think they're in. All right. Uh, 
lastly, I don't want to turn this into a debate, but Artem, I feel like you got to say what you thought, but you didn't get to express why you thought it. So really quick, I'll give you a little to, to tell us why you think Notre Dame wouldn't get in over these other teams. Just because of the they play a less they don't play a championship, is that essentially it? Pretty much. Look, Tommy's a very logical dude, but problem is the committee is not logical. It's twelve people and some of those people are idiots and they have to have some sort of unanimous option they put out there and they've put out a precedent where a team that does not play a championship game does not play 13 games um would not get in an undefeated team over a one loss team that did they've done it to ohio state they've done it to was it penn state the other time they they flip-flopped around it but they're sticking to a very centric point of we want you to play a championship game we want you to play 13 games so we can value you as other teams what i see happening kind of like tommy saying is the same shit that happened to tcu and baylor i think it was uh, three years ago where um they were both in the top uh, four or one of them was top four one of them was five and when the next week came everybody played a championship game but th- those two teams didn't um, and the team that played the championship game, which I believe was Ohio State, jumped both of those teams and moved them both out. So just talking from a precedent, what I see from a Notre Dame team is they've played one ranked team all season that's currently repped in, uh, ranked in top 25. Uh, they don't play another ranked team for the rest of the year unless any of those teams end up getting ranked, and they don't play a championship game. So based on precedent, I don't think they make it. All right, well, this is maybe down the line we do a – once we get closer to the actual playoff selection, we'll do a side and side cast and have an actual debate about this. But for now, we're going to leave it there. We're going to talk about UCF as far as a team that is gaining recognition. UCF has really come out after, of course, claiming their own national championship and all this publicity they put out early in the year, you know, uh, claiming – Again, flying that banner right before the Alabama game in Orlando, you know, putting the banner up in their own stadium, claiming they're the championships, they're the champions, essentially. Is is that what's building the name recognition, just calling themselves out? Is this something that others can replicate? And, Andrew, I'm going to start with you. Is all this kind of publicity what's building the name, or is it just the fact that they're a good team? What are your thoughts? I think the biggest thing we've seen, especially from, you know, we look at Boise State as kind of the roadmap for this G5 building your program kind of team. And Boise State did it over a couple of years. I think that UCF is starting to do that. They had a great year last year. And, and they, you know, they did raise a stink, which I think does play some bit of a role in it. And other than that, it's going to take them another couple of years to get the Boise State benefit of the doubt. Now, again, I do think they are getting the benefit of the doubt more this year than they did last year. I think that's really playing a big role in it. And it's funny because you actually have three undefeated teams currently in the America's Conference. They're all in the East in UCF, Cincinnati, and South Florida. They all have to play each other. And I, honestly, if you're if you're a UCF fan or you're a an American conference fan, you really kind of hope that one team wins all of that. So you have a truly undefeated. And honestly, I think you hope it's UCF because again, they're, they'll get, they'll get more of the benefit of the doubt than say an undefeated Cincinnati 
or an undefeated South Florida, even with the same kind of wins on their resume. And what, yeah, and I guess is that because they rose the stink? I mean, obviously, Cincinnati and USF, they both, they don't have the winning record, the winningest record from last season. So, Tommy, what what is it that's setting UCF apart in your mind? Just the fact that uh, they beat Auburn last year, essentially? Well, let's be clear that them winning their games is obviously a huge piece of that. But them raising a stink, they're waging a media campaign. And, you know, for a system that's based off the opinions of 12 random people that may or may not be tangentially related to the world of college football as the deciders of who's the best, I, I can't blame them for that. Why wouldn't you wage a giant media campaign? Because every time they talked about being a national champion or, you know, buying hats for people or the athletic director replacing his chair with one with a logo that says 2017 national champions UCF, um, it puts more articles out there, puts more eyes on it, makes people talk about it more, makes people like us on this podcast talk about it more. And that's kind of what Boise State did over a number of years. I think with social media being how much bigger it is now than it was, you know, five, ten years ago, they're able to leverage that more and they might be able to get a shot uh, this year, next year, if they can keep up and finish undefeated. So, Artem, I'll leave you with the last say, I suppose – you are probably the biggest – you're the most biased person, I think, towards the Power Five here. I think at least the rest of us are kind of more open to other teams potentially getting in. You you just talked about how Notre Dame can't get in because they don't play a playoff. UCF, they play a playoff. Uh, they're making this big stink. Like, what else do they have to do to get in? Do they have a chance of getting in this year if they go undefeated? No, I don't think so. Um, and the big deal is kind of the same thing that I said about Notre Dame. You know, they have Cincinnati and South Florida on the schedule, um, and it's important whatever their ranking is when they do play them. But at the end of the season, I don't think any of the teams that they have played are going to be ranked, and what's going to happen is they're going to look at their record and they're going to say, are you undefeated? Okay, you're ranked five, and they're going to keep them out of the playoff. That's just the reality of it. Um, in, I'm just strictly going off of precedent of what they've done for other teams, strength of schedule, um, any sort of doubt that UCF casts on themselves during that time period. I, I just don't, I, I don't see it happening because best case scenario is they win all their games this season, and I think they're going to be ranked five. Uh, worst case scenario, they lose a single game, and everybody's going to say, "Man, I knew it. UCF's just not as good." <laughs> Well, you know, my my I did have that conversation with my dad when they were down against Memphis, where he was already decrying them. But yeah, that makes a fair point. We shall see. Maybe when we get closer to the playoff selection, we'll have more to talk about on that. Anyway, until then, you know, uh, one other quick thing just to note is that with their North Carolina game being canceled, they will have played one less game than a lot of teams this season. That's technically true. We will not know whether or not they could have beaten the Tar Heels. Is that isn't that right, Andrew? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because I think you have the opportunity for Hurricane Games to have a big impact because I think it's going to impact NC State a lot. Yeah. 
And also, it gives Miami more wins that they can put on their schedule if they can say a hurricane took out, like, another game. I, I think that that's how that works, right? <laughs> anyway, that's going to wrap us up for the... So I, was, I was about to make a joke about the ACC Coastals basically looks like the aftermath of a hurricane right now. Too soon, bro. Yeah, it is. I, I, I was waiting to hear Tommy say dumpster fire. Still waiting. Anyway, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for the rest for this week. Thanks as always to our listeners for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at tomeatsandotherpodcasts at gmail.com. and check us out on Twitter at tmlpodcast.com. Till then, have a good rest of your week, guys. Good night.